You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. Welcome to Rokenville, Saskatchewan, a community just west of the Manitoba border and neighboring the scenic Capel Valley. Once called home to the Assiniboine Indians in the 17th century, a major fur trading hub, Rokenville is now home to roughly 1,000 friendly people who are proud to call this place my town. One such happy person, Jamie McLeod, reached out to me and invited me to attend the monthly Rokenville Market held at the beautiful Rokenville Museum. The rain didn't dampen the spirits one bit. In fact, after such a dry summer, we were happy to see it. I'm Kevin Power. Join me as I chat with local vendors, artists, musicians, young folks, and yes, Jamie herself. And then there's the chocolate garlic. Oh, the chocolate garlic. Well, here I am at the Rokenville Market. And the first vendor I've met is Laura Ducek. And the reason why I lunged over to Laura's table first is because she has one of my most favorite things in the world on her table, and that would be garlic. Hey, Laura. Hello. So, look at all this. Tell me about yourself. Um, You live in the area? I live in Esterhazy. Um, oh, it's, it's about a half hour from here. There, I've done a podcast from Mr. Hazy. Oh, is that right? I have with the with one of the oldest people in the province, Flory Gray. Oh, yes. So yeah. you um, live in Esther Hazy, and tell are you on a farm? Yeah, we live in an acreage four miles north of Esther Hazy. And so, make my dreams come true. All you grow on this acreage is garlic. That's all we grow on our acreage. Really? We have about three and a half acres of garlic planted. Yes, uh, we. Yeah, we kind of got into it because my best friend at work started growing garlic near Yorkton. And so, yeah, I kind of ventured out because I love gardening. And so this is our company now, Realside Garlic and Gardens Limited. So your garlic is all local? It is local, yeah. It's chemical-free. Right. It's all done by hand, everything. We plant it by hand in the fall, and we weed it all summer, and we pick it by hand and clean it. So you pickle it, you dry it, you turn it into chocolate. Yes. Uh, and yep. then you sell the garlic scapes themselves. Yep. Um, is garlic tough to grow? It can be, yep. We uh, we actually lost probably 80% of our crop this year due to winter kill uh, for poor snow coverage. But, you know, that's the joys of farming. Right. And how far do you ship your garlic? Actually, it goes out to BC. That's it? Yep. Not too far... East, we go to Bre- uh, Brandon. Uh, we go to the big one in Brandon every right. year, and we have lots of customers in Manitoba, but not beyond Manitoba. Okay, and it, is your garlic snuck into products around the province, and we may not even know it comes from your farm? Uh, yeah, that's very true. A lot of people don't know that we can even grow garlic around here. How did you decide on garlic first? Uh, I don't know. No, you obviously <laughs> are, always loved it. Hi. You're eyeing the chocolate-covered garlic, aren't you? Would you like to try one? Kind of, yeah. Oh, Do good. you want sugar-free or regular? I need gluten-free, actually. Well, the sugar-free is gluten-free. Okay. okay, so I'm doing a podcast here. So I'm glad that somebody's come to try it because I want your initial reaction when you finally try this garlic. <laughs> Surrounded by chocolate. It's flavorful. The garlic hits you eventually. <laughs> That's what I love about it. It's like you don't know it's there until a little bit later. Yeah, it's very nice. It's nice, huh? Would yes, you have thought of chocolate-covered garlic? Never. I never would have thought. I dream about it. I can't believe somebody actually did it. I thought I was the only one that fantasized about this thing. It's beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. 
It's I actually have another one coming. It's going to have a kind of a jelly center, but it's actually frozen garlic. Mm. And then you dip it in chocolate. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's, they'll be here for the next now, market. Uh, garlic ice cream has to be on the way. Well, uh, well, maybe if I get an ice cream maker, but it is good. I tried it at the Garlic Festival in Gilroy, California. It's it's wonderful. Okay, hang on. There's a garlic festival? In Gilroy, California. Okay, and is that like for all of North America, or is that just one that happens to be in that particular place? Gilroy is actually the main grower of garlic in the U.S., oh. and so they have a festival there. But yeah, there's people. They have cook-offs and everything. People from Canada go and enter the cook-offs. And have you entered? No. <laughs> wow. So nope. you you were you just decided because you liked garlic that that's what you would choose. That's right. I now, love garlic. I eat garlic in everything. I most of the time don't taste it because I use so much of it. Did you have to do research to find out how hard it would be to grow garlic before yes. you decided? I researched for probably two years before I actually started growing garlic. Okay. Had and you... my initial crop was 200 plants, and then we went to 3,000, then 5,000, and now we have 28,000. Did you grow anything before that? I just vegetables. My regular vegetable garden. Did you grow up on a farm? No, I didn't. I grew up in town. Wow. That's interesting. Right on. So this is sort of your little dream business. It is. It's my retirement plan. Oh, but you're not ready to retire yet? No, God, no. And then when you're ready to be buried, you could probably preserve your body and garlic. garlic oil that would be brilliant yeah yeah you they probably dig you up hundreds of years from now and you'd be perfectly preserved i think that would happen it could for sure right on There's nothing else people can grow garlic on my grave <laughs> <laughs> oh it's good to know that such joy can come from garlic oh what isn't the love about garlic i know thank you there's so many varieties right on Thanks. Thanks. Your name is Andrew. Yes, sir. And Andrew, you're not originally from Canada. How did you guess? Well, it's got to be the accent. Just a little bit of an accent, maybe giving it away. No kidding. So, <laughs> how long have you lived in Saskatchewan? Uh, I don't live in Saskatchewan. Um, I actually live in Manitoba. That's okay. Is that okay? No, we're really close to the border. Yeah. Uh, I've been over in Manitoba for about two and a bit years, nearly yeah. two and a half years. Originally from where in Scotland? Far north, um, an island archipelago called Orkney. Do you have a family history of, of shortbread? Uh, not really, no. Well, I could make it all romantic and say that <laughs> I have, but I probably... Well, there's the romantic story that... Um, it was a recipe handed down lovingly from generation to generation, but... Is that true? No. <laughs> it's complete bullshit. <clears throat> the truth of it is, I was bored one night and we didn't have enough ingredients to make a chocolate sponge or a fruitcake. All I had was the ingredients to make shortbread. Okay, now did you at least grow up eating shortbread? Uh, a little. <laughs> okay, so there's... No romantic story that you could tell me that would be the truth around shortbread. I walked by you and I said, I wouldn't peg you as the kind of person that would make shortbread. And you said, looks can be deceiving. How long have you been making shortbread? Uh, Why do I have a feeling you're going to say since last night? Oh, no, I've been making it since (laughs) I was at school, and that's nearly 15 or 16 years. Oh, wow. So at least you kept it up. Oh, yeah. I've got form. I've got form. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I've been um, making it for that length of time, so... Right. And um, is this your first time at the Brokenville Market? Yes. And apart from being here, do you take your shortbread elsewhere? Are you well-known in Manitoba for your shortbread? Getting there. Um, there was an article written in the Brandon Sun newspaper uh-huh. Uh-huh. about my shortbread. So I go to Clear Lake. I go to the one in Hamiota. There's one in Shoal Lake. I'd really like to get to the one at St. Norbert's in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And then there's one in Verdun that I'd like to get to too. So it's all sort of generally going towards getting it put in stores. Right. And I'm doing quite a lot of work getting nutritional testing, packaging, stuff like that. So I'm getting closer to that. How much time do you spend a week making shortbread? Uh, 
depending on, like if it's a busy farmer's market, then I'll maybe spend, for example, all a Sunday making and bagging. Um, I sort of, it has a very long shelf life, so I can make it a couple of months in advance and it doesn't go bad or lose anything like that. So um, just when it's quiet, I'll normally make some, so I have plenty on hand for markets and that sort of thing. Is it a full-time job for you at this point? Not at this point. Is that the goal? Yes, hopefully. Right. And are you making them in your house? I know when you're selling food for the public consumption... You have to pass all these inspection tests and things. So can you at least still do that in your home, or do you need a special place? Uh, For farmer's markets, I can. But to go into stores, like what I hope to do, um, I'll need a sort of more dedicated place with all the certificates and that sort of thing. But I'm working towards that, too. Now, do you, because of the quantity you're making, do you need to get special equipment that the average person wouldn't have in their kitchen? Uh, It's getting towards that, yeah, just so I can, like if I start going into stores, then it's going to need to be sort of higher output to keep up with, you know, if I'm going to be supplying co-ops in Elkhorn, Verdon, places like that that I've spoken to that have shown an interest in having it on their stores then it's going to need to be bigger equipment so I can keep up with an order that they place and I don't want to be falling behind with that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's going to end up getting bigger, higher capacity. How many pounds of butter are you going through in a week? Something insane. Um, Last weekend, I think I went through something like nearly 30 bars of butter. No kidding. And then it's the goal to then take shortbread. Right now we're looking at basically your traditional shortbread square shaped um well we would call them a cookie or biscuit here but eventually do you want to branch out and start making other well i do actually make another type chocolate covered shortbread funny you should say that (laughs) um i actually make the same shortbread but it has a layer of caramel and then a layer of chocolate on top of that and why isn't that here on your table today it's quite a bit more of a faff to make because you have to let the shortbread cool then put caramel on let it cool and then put chocolate on and let it cool so at the minute I'm not making enough to sort of justify it and it's more a kind of Christmas thing at the minute but once I get the bigger equipment and I can make more per hour then I'll definitely be giving it a go as well do you get to the point where you're so sick of shortbread you don't want to eat it yourself? Uh, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, still tastes as scrumptious now as it always has done, so it might come to that stage, but I haven't reached it yet. How did you wind up here in the middle of the prairies all the way from Scotland? Uh, the family was always looking to move away just for more opportunity, that kind of thing. And I was slightly more keen to go to Australia. I've always been fascinated by it. So I've been out there a couple of times. And and the parents, they applied for permanent residency and got province sponsorship. So they sort of added me down to it along with my brother. So here I am. And what do you think? I mean, it's so drastically different geographically speaking. Uh, Yeah, and climate too. Um, there's not many places that the winter gets down to minus 40, but sadly the summer doesn't get up to plus 40 like in Australia, so I quite like it warm. <clears throat> and what about water? Are you missing it? Mm, not overly, no. There, well, there is once or twice you sort of think it'd be quite nice to see the sea or something like that, having lived in a place like Orkney where you're pretty much at farthest maybe five or six miles away from the sea but here you're a couple of hundred miles away probably at best so maybe kind of miss it a little bit but I don't sort of pine for it every day it's sort of you know I am where I am and are prairie people different um than than people back home is there something that you can think of in particular that that defines a prairie person that's very different? Uh, really fond of ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they 
really sort of eat, sleep and breathe ice hockey, so um, that'll be one difference. Um, but yeah, they generally seem to be pretty friendly, open, that kind of thing, so it's not to say that you don't get that overseas, but just sort of maybe a little bit more so, maybe just something to do with the population density, there's less people around, so you sort of make more of an effort to be friendly when there's less, I suppose, chances of contact compared to if you're, say, in Toronto or Calgary where you're shoehorned in in such a small space, then maybe there's less need to be sort of open, that kind of thing. So probably something like that, I would say, would be a difference. Uh-huh. But it's exactly the same as in Australia. There may be a little bit more so again, just kind of the attitude of the nation, just sort of welcome in, give somebody a go, that kind of thing. So, Have you been to my <coughs> home province of Nova Scotia? I haven't, no. Um, you m- must go. I... It'll make you homesick. Um, I wouldn't mind going over there to get some fresh fish and some crab or something like that. I've had fish over here and, once again, having lived over in Orkney, me and my brother used to go fishing for lobster, that sort of thing. So it'd be quite nice to have something that's sort of caught in the morning and cooked in the evening instead of having it chilled or frozen from Vancouver or... Churchill or wherever it comes from so it's on the list of things to do. Maybe you could go find a market in Nova Scotia and take your shortbread there. That'll be alright yeah. hopefully one day I won't have to it'll be in co-ops from right. there to Vancouver. So. Right. I don't think they have co-op in Nova Scotia believe it or not. Alright well they'll have a grocery store of some. They, they absolutely do. The co-op phenomenon is very prairie. Oh is it prairie? Yeah. Oh, right yeah on. it is. Yeah the prairie thing every town has a co-op oh well as long as there's a grocery store then there are many many there'll hopefully be a space for my shortbread on it well listen i my mother will smack me up the side of the head if i don't come home with some shortbread so i think i have to buy some from you there's some free samples there too if you want to dive in okay my review is yum what's that sorry yum yum that's a way. Oh, that's really good. Some of my favorites are to die for. It's just so comforting. You just want to curl up with a glass of milk. It's good with ice cream. No kidding. Thanks. I'm told. Thanks, Andrew. No worries, mate. Okay. Now I'm sitting in front of loaves of bread and angel food cake, and they have been lovingly prepared by... Elaine Fafard. Exactly. Fafard. Now that is a name that is well known in this province. Any relation? I'm related to Joe Fafard. That would be the one. And I'm also related to Leo Fafard, the actor in Wolfcop. Okay, right. So his mother. Right. <laughs> I understand that you are... Okay, wait a minute. Let's back up. How are you related to Joe Fafard? He's my brother-in-law. Okay. All right. So you married into the Fafard family. I did, yes. Okay. But uh, you are an artist yourself. Well, I don't know if you'd call me an artist, but I play around in it. <laughs> well, you have a kiln, which most people don't have hanging around. Oh, well, I have two. <laughs> okay. Are they both broken right now? Well, it's, it's the plug to the wall that's, that is uh, not working right. And I was just on the phone talking to my son to come and change it so I could go to the next, come to the next farmer's market with my pottery instead of my bread. Okay. <laughs> yes. So how long have you been throwing pots? Well, I used to live in LaRange, and I uh, did pottery there. LaRange, okay. Saskatchewan? Yeah. Yeah, and I did pottery there for years. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... Uh, I make teapots, and I also make, uh, I do a lot of work on my teapots, like I make horse teapots, and and goose teapots, and bird teapots, and okay. and also I do cups and little statues and stuff like that. You're fond of teapots that are, are of animals that have wings. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, the horses, they don't have wings, no, but... Right. <laughs> Next, the next month I'll be here with my pots. Yes, okay. yeah. Have you met Rob Froze yet? 
Uh, no, I don't believe I have. Rob Froze out of Moose Jaw, who's a pot, uh, the artist in residence. He's a potter in Moose Jaw. Oh, is he? Um, yes. Uh, he's the yeah. artist in residence at the Moose Jaw Cultural Center. Oh, I, uh, I, I He gives I have, a lot yeah. of pottery workshops. Yeah, oh, he yeah. He travels around the world. He studies in Japan. His yeah. work is beautiful. Yes, imagine it is. Yes. I, you know, I think I did see it at a gallery in Moose Jaw when I was there. Uh-huh. But Likely. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's lots of pot, lots of good potters around. I'm not a very good potter. But I'm just you, there for. I'm just in it for the fun of it. I like doing it. But you've got baking here. How long have you been baking? Oh, I've been baking for years. <laughs> um, we used to have a farmers market in Larange, mm-hmm. and I'd sell my baking there as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is this your first time? This isn't your first time at the Rokenville Market. It is. Oh, it is? Yes, it is. Another one. I'm meeting all these people that have been here for the first time. Is that right? Yeah. No, this is my first time. Yeah. Right. I hope and to come again. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy meeting the people and right. and talking to everyone. And Where do you live now? I live in the, in the oh, about eight miles from here. Do you know where the Rokenville Potash Mine is? Nope. You don't? Nope. It's just north of here on the number eight. Well, it's not on the number eight highway. When you come into Roke and go past the oil can, just keep on going. And at the end of that road is the potash mine. Okay. You live in the mine, do you? We live just about. (laughs) We live about three quarters of a mile from the mine. Oh, wow. Wow. Too close. Are you on a farm? I'm on a farm, yes. And is it a functioning farm? Well, it was for a while, but now we're retired. Okay. Yeah, my husband was a judge in the ranch. Oh wow! Uh, he was yeah, judge for Farb. Yeah, he lived in the ranch. He uh, judged for a while in uh, in uh, in Weyburn. We moved back down here, and then after that, he retired. I yeah. bet you know Ray Ramaya. Oh, I sure do know Ray Ramaya. Okay, so get this: <laughs> Ray Ramaya is my grade five. No, I'm sorry. He's my grade six teacher. Oh, is he? From Nova Scotia, from the, oh. which is where I'm from. Oh, is it? Yeah. And well, he's I, been in Lorange for quite a while. Well, I grew up with Ray and Jaya and Ray's kids. Oh, did you? I was around when Anand was born. Uh-huh. Raj and I were great friends. Raj, Raj and my children were good friends. Is that right? Yeah. They just had their 50th wedding anniversary oh, in Saskatoon. They? they did. Oh. Uh, yeah, we know him Ray ever since he moved to La- when Yeah. Uh, we know the, the children, too. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, your, your bread making, this is just something that you do because you're passionate about it? Yes. And you know what? I'm a celiac. I can't eat it. Oh, right. <laughs> I used to eat it, and then I found out the reason why I wasn't feeling good and stuff is because I was allergic to gluten. Right. So, but I put a mask on to make this. Uh-huh. It looks funny in the kitchen with a mask on. Is there <laughs> a mask on the face baking my bread. <laughs> is there a history of baking in your family? My mother liked to bake, mm-hmm. and my son, believe it or not, worked in the bakery in LaRange before he became an aircraft engineer. Wow, that's quite a a variation, (laughs) aircraft engineer by day, baker by night. Well, he was going to school, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, he's a very good baker too, actually. Sometimes I think he bakes better than I do. (laughs) Well, these look pretty tempting. Well, lovely to meet you. Isn't it funny to find that connection with the Ramaya? That's hysterical. Well, my husband and I have been married 49 years. Oh, We're well. not too far behind Ray. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. Lovely to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you, too. Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcasts. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. 
It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay, now I'm standing in front of something very sweet, which we call honey. And this honey is lovingly made by my next guest, and you are? Darlene Strong. And Darlene, um, you've been making honey for how long? Well, actually, I don't make it. The bees make it. True. <laughs> okay, let me say this. You've been harvesting yeah. the honey for how long? That's right. Um, my husband and I have been doing it for about 29 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And how many hives do you have? Um, 1,700. That's true. 1,700 hives? Mm-hmm. So you're mass-producing a lot of honey. Yeah, we're commercial beekeeping. Okay. Commercial. So then your honey is being sent all across the province for sure? Oh, uh, we And have, beyond? We have brokers that buy from... We have some in the States that buy honey from us and uh, Montreal. And then from there, they sell it probably all over the world. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you the obvious question, which I'm sure you've been asked a million times. Have you ever been stung by a bee? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes, many times. But actually, I don't work with the bees anymore. My, I, I'm, I'm an artist. So. Right. So this is yeah. the other half of your table. Mm-hmm. Are these adorable um, watercolors? Uh, how long have you been painting? Oh, I've been painting for forever, 35 years. So you're you're not that old, so you've been yes. painting since you were quite young. Yeah, yeah, a long wow. time, long time. Is there a history of painting in your family? Do you come from a family of artists? Yeah, yeah, my, sis, my, my baba, my grandmother, she was very artistic, uh-huh. very, very, she was a dress designer. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. is she still alive? No, no. Wow, no. where did she design dresses? Oh. Just for ladies in town, right. they would just describe what they wanted, and she'd just sketch it out, and then she'd oh, right. sell them. Mm-hmm. Where did you grow up? English, Manitoba. Oh, right. Okay. So not this, uh, just on the other side of the border from here? Yeah. yeah, not far from here at all. Right. And is this the first time for you at the Roganville Market? Oh, no. I've been no. here a few times. Okay. Yeah, a few times. And when it comes to honey, there are, I mean, there's dozens of kinds of honey, Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's buckwheat honey, and there's yeah, all of those specialty <laughs> honeys. Yeah, it, it depends on, on where the bees are getting their, their, um, where they're where they're getting the nectar from. Okay. Yeah. We are. I'm hearing. Good grief! It's pouring cats and dogs right now. I'm often hearing that there is that bees are becoming endangered. That they're disappearing. Is this true? In some places they are, yep, in some places. Uh, fortunately, where we are in Saskatchewan here, there's, they've been very doing very well, okay. very, very well. Um, are they climate sensitive? Oh, yeah, they go dormant, Right. semi-dormant in the wintertime. But I guess, is there, is there ever a bad crop of honey? Well, if, if the crops aren't good, then okay. we don't do well. And our right. primary source is canola. Right. Mm-hmm. So how's this, how's this year been so far? So far, so good. Yeah. And so you must have to store a lot of honey as you're sending it out, yeah? Right, right. And we, 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 um, <laughs> we put it into 45-gallon... Oh, 50 gallon um, drums. Wow. Yeah, 55, what is it? Yeah. How many people do you have working? Right now there's there's 20 of us on payroll. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, so this is a full-time career. It's full-time work, part-time. Uh, okay. For six months of the year it's full-time. Very oh, right. full-time. Oh, that's nice. And so for the other six months of the year, that's when you have the bulk of time to do your painting? Yeah. Yeah. So your hands are always busy. And teaching. I teach. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. You teach in the school system? I, no, I have a, um, I have a studio at home, and I give private lessons. Oh wow! So your hands are always busy. Yeah, your hands are always busy. Right on. <laughs> lovely, lovely to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you too. Thank you. Thank you. Well, if I had ten million bucks, probably still drive this old truck, and I'd stay down in the valley here. To the house and baby 
take a trip down south If I had ten million bucks, that's what I'd do Yes, if I had ten million bucks, that's what I'd do Thank you very much. Here I sit at a table of lovely, shining, young faces that are part of the Rokenville market today. And um, I'm going to find out who you all are. Let's start first with my left. We have uh, Daniel Green. And Daniel, you are how old? I am uh, 22 years old. Okay. And you live in Rokenville? Uh, I live on an acreage just north of Rokenville. Okay. And, but you grew up in this area? Yes, I've lived here my whole life. Okay. And you went to school here? Uh, I was actually homeschooled. Uh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, and do you work at the museum? No, I work for the uh, Potash Mine, uh, Potash Court Brokenville Division. Okay. Um, but what's your affiliation with the market? Do you just come and hang out? Uh, I, we've been asked to play uh, for a couple of years now and been play music. For- oh, you're part of the band over yeah, there. Yes. The famous Green family. <laughs> well, famous, but yes. Yeah, How fun. long have you guys been playing? Um, well, we used to have a family band, and we go play around at the uh, old folks' lodges. Um, okay. And it's you and your who? Uh, it used to be just our, our whole family would go. I have uh, five siblings, and okay. we used to go around with mom and dad, and we used to play at different places. Um, but now it's just dad and I, and uh, and then Anthony Kelly plays with us from time to time. So Okay. So you grew up in a musical household then? Yes, we bought a lot of piano and then I picked up the guitar when I was nine and been playing it since. So So that's your instrument, the guitar? Yeah, my instrument of choice is the guitar, yes. Okay. And do you guys travel the province? Uh, no, we haven't been playing too far, too many, too much yet. Um, just local shows kind of for uh, like charities or for like the market days or museum days. Um, yeah. We are playing... Uh, we're going to have our first show kind of uh, August 1st this year in uh, in Fieldstone. We're playing at Fieldstone Campground. So. Oh, great. So what do you like about living in this area? I mean, it's a, it's a small town part of the province. Um, it's quite remote uh, compared to the big centers. Do you prefer being in sort of quieter communities? Yes. I, uh, I really like, like the small town feel. Um, you know, you, you, you get to know a lot of people walking down the street. You know, everybody's friendly. Um, it's, a, it's a really nice place. I, I really like it. I went to school in Moose Jaw uh, for almost three years. And I came home every weekend, and it was just like I, I liked the, the, I don't know, the quietness. The, the city's all hustle, bustle, noise. And I, I just, I found the, the small town is, it's, it's my, where my heart is. So, Have you traveled outside of the province? Uh, yes, I've gone uh, down to. I've been down in the states, down to like Kansas. Um, I've been out to Toronto, uh, so I've been around a bit. And so, but I always coming back home is always around here. So, right. Are you guys not currently playing because it's raining like yeah. crazy out there? <laughs> yes, the rain delayed us. So, uh, electrical equipment never does so well in the <laughs> rain. I find that's what we got a tarp. <laughs> Tarp's going to protect our stuff. So, right. Yeah. We're, right hoping, we're hoping it's going to break, though, and we'll get back out there. Well, it was looking so promising there for a minute, and yeah. then bang. All right, well, you can feel free to chime in at any time, any of you. I don't know why I'm standing, hovering over you, and there are chairs right here. Looks so intimidating. Okay, and now we have... I'm Marie Kelly. I'm Anthony Kelly's second oldest. Right, okay, so tell me about yourself. You've just graduated yep. from high school. Mm-hmm. You went to high school here? Yeah, I went to high school here. So I, were you born here? I was born in the area. I was okay. born actually in Yorkton, but I've been living in this area for most of my life. Okay. Are you working at the museum this summer? Yes, I am working at the museum this summer. Right. And are your parents on the board of the museum? No, my mom's actually on the Legion board, and plus she works at the TD Bank, and my dad works at Potash Corporation, the okay. same place where Daniel works. Okay. And he's here helping them play today. <laughs> right, okay. And um, are you also involved with the um, historical site here that's called the Esperance? For Esperance, yes. My family, we take care of it. We make sure the lawn's mowed. We make sure all the garbage has been cleaned up, that everything's under good condition and nothing's broken. We watch over it. Well, that's a pretty important gig considering it's a now has its national historic de- designation. Yeah, um, And that was one of the original... Uh, 
trading, fur trading posts. Yeah. Yes, that was one of the original fur trading posts on the Capel River. Right. Right on. So uh, how many visitors are going through there? We get the couple visitors. Mostly they come out to have campfires and okay. roast hot dogs or go and- fishing. I work here at the market as well. I'm helping out the people, making sure everything's okay, okay. everything's set up. And Do you make stuff? Not really. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to cook this year. Okay. All right. I'm not the best of cooks. Do you at least get to sample all the stuff? Yes, I do. I get to sample the stuff. Have you guys tried the chocolate-covered garlic yet? No, haven't tried that. <laughs> I'm really big on the chocolate-covered garlic, I gotta tell you. Great. And and do you have any artistic background, any musical background? Yes, my family is very musical, especially the Kelly side of my family. My grandma's Rever- Delta Kelly sings a lot, and all my, all, most of my uncles play guitar and my one uncle actually plays the piano, and me and my sisters have learned piano throughout the years. Plus, my younger sister, Olivia, plays the fiddle, and she's very good at it. And okay. All of us girls sing, and we have Kelly Christmas concerts around Christmas time every year. So You do? Yep. For the town? There's usually one in the town, and then there's some in other areas of Saskatchewan. Like, we used to do one in Forger. Have you heard of that small town? Not only have I heard of it, I've been there, and I'm going to be going back to do a podcast at my now most favorite place in the province, the Happy Nun Cafe. (laughs) And did you have them at the Happy Nun? Yes, we had a couple at the Happy Nun before, and then we had a couple back in there, the bed and breakfast there, too, before the Happy Nun got opened. Oh, right, right. Is Christmas a big deal in your house? Yes, it is. It's a very big deal in our house. What makes it such a big deal? I think it's the Christmas concerts that we have okay. every year, finding time to practice, finding time to actually decor, decorate our house for Christmas, getting, okay. to, getting to see the family. Christmas is pretty a, bit, a very big deal at our house. Right on. So have you traveled outside of the province? Yes, I have. I've gone down to Disney World, actually, in uh-huh. the United States and Florida. Fine. Plus, I've gone to BC, and I went to Vancouver for a while, and I have gone to Winnipeg, but that's the furthest I've gone east. That's the furthest I've gone east of. Do you want to stay in the area? I'd like to keep living in the area. I will probably do traveling in the near future, but I'll probably always live in this area because, like like Daniel said, the peace and quiet of the area has its beauties and everything. And you have internet, so what more do you need? <laughs> yes, so we have internet out here. Sometimes slow, but we have internet. That's all, that's all you need. If you got the internet, you you don't need to be anywhere really. Yeah. Well, Miss Kelly, nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. You can feel free to chime in as I continue around the table. Yes. Now we have Ivy, the famous Ivy, who's yes. just come back here from her first year of kinesiology. And where are you studying kinesiology? In Winnipeg. Okay. How come you chose that? Um, they don't have my program in Saskatchewan, so it was either Winnipeg or Calgary. So. But they have a kinesiology department at the U of S. Mm-hmm, but I'm taking athletic therapy, and they have an integrated program in Manitoba that I can take um, athletic therapy and kinesiology all in the same four years and get two degrees out of that. And then in Saskatchewan, it's an extra, I think it's five or six years to do okay. it. So you grew up rather athletic yourself. Yeah, I did. Hey, what were the sports you were involved in? Um, I played volleyball, basketball, soccer. Um, I did track and field. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, those are my main ones. So you have shelves lined with trophies and medals? Uh, no, not really. Um, a few, but not a whole lot. So what was it like making the transition from high school to uni- first year university? Um, actually, I didn't really have a problem with it because I was a very, I'm very particular and I'm very. Um, I keep up with my studies and that kind of stuff, so I didn't have a big... I thought I would, but I didn't have that big of a... You're like a really good student. Like, you probably graduated with, like, top of your class in high school, right? Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, you've you've got that that air about you. Like, you would have been somebody that would intimidate the crap out of me when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you even know it. Wow. So you come back here for the summer to work at the museum? I'm working at the rec office, actually. Um, I run a summer program for the kids, and we run it out of the museum, so I'm here most uh, pretty well every day. Was there a point in your life where you thought maybe rather than study kinesiology, you wanted to become a professional athlete? There was, but it just wasn't, like, I don't know. It just wasn't 
a goal that I could reach. Okay. It, like I love my sports and I like my favorite sport was basketball and I was fairly good at it, but I'm so short that I couldn't like I could get on a practice roster maybe. And I'm thinking of trying that in Winnipeg to see if I can get on their practice roster, but it's it's something I can just do rec and I'll be happy doing. So Do you have a creative side to you as well? Not so much, no. No? <laughs> uh, kind of, sort of. You don't even bake? I do, yeah. I do that kind of a little bit. <laughs> I'm kind of a sports You're nut. a sports geek. <laughs> yeah, pretty well. <laughs> You're all about the sports. Yeah. So you're probably a Rough Riders fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, and where did you where are you doing your program in at University of Winnipeg? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, how's Winnipeg? Um, it's a a lot different. Does it feel like a big city to you yeah. when you've grown up in this area? Yeah, it feels huge, like way bigger wow, than Regina so and all that. That's so crazy to me. Yeah, going really. That's so crazy to me. I've been living in Toronto for twenty seven years. That's just like yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> So when you're done your program, do you want to come back to small town oh, Saskatchewan? Oh yeah, I'll be moving back. Here. Wow, you didn't even think about that. Um, no, I've already got my plot of land and everything. Ready do you really? Yeah, and like an acreage and everything all ready to go. An acreage? Mm-hmm. Is my, that like my parents' farm? So okay, they have a piece of land that I can set up on. And did you have to grow up farming then? I did. Yeah. You had all those chores. Mm-hmm. What's the worst chore? The worst chore. Um. Probably mucking out barns would be the worst one. Right. Yeah. And it's like non-negotiable, right? You no, have you to pull it. your weight. Yeah, you do it or you do it. That's probably why you have such a strong work ethic is that you grew yeah. up. How big is your family? Um, There's five kids, including me. And you play... I'm the oldest. I know. I just knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow, what an interesting person you are. <laughs> What's the best part of living on a farm? Um, Just the, like I like it the quietness like and you're doing your own thing and there's no one in your way and you're not in anyone else's way and there's no one no neighbors looking over your fence wondering what you're doing and, right yeah plus you sense. always know you'll have food yeah. yeah you have animals on the farm yeah we uh well we did we had um cattle and we have about 20 buffalo what's your favorite animal um buffalo really mm-hmm. wow yeah why what um, makes buffalo such a well my grandpa um, my dad's dad, he um, he farmed buffalo for the longest time, and it's kind of, like, he passed away three years ago here, and I was really close with him, so the buffalo was kind of, it was our connection, like, we'd go check buffalo, and we'd go, like, fix fence and stuff, and it was kind of like our time together, so right. that was probably why. Buffalo herds are thinning out like crazy, yeah? Yeah, there's not very many left. There's a couple big guys around here, but not, it's not common. But what about... When it comes time to actually then having to make use of the animal in other ways, like as in eating them, <laughs> isn't that rather hard once you've known the animal? Um, yes and no. It's the circle of life, right? That's how it works and that's how it goes. And like they've been here to feed us for how long? So that's, yeah, I'm not too, like it's it's sad when you have to, but it's part of, you got to feed yourself and your family and but it's that's what they're there for that's what we have them for and right mm-hmm. okay great thanks ivy yeah thanks okay oh, next yeah. we have celine fafford celine um uh fafford yes. now i also hear pronounced fafard it is yes okay There's french and then english way of saying it okay is that your mother i just met out there over there that's uh, she her last name oh, is fafard no that's not my mother. I think that's my auntie. You right. think it's your auntie? Yes. <laughs> my great aunt, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're related to Joe Fafard? Yes, I am. Um, how are you related to him? Uh, I think he's my great uncle. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that means there's art in your family. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, you didn't even skip a beat. So that <laughs> means you're artistic. Yep, that is correct. <laughs> okay. So tell me about your artistic life. Well, I don't, I get a lot of people asking me to paint signs for them and paint things for them whenever, I don't know, it's just I'm a good drawer and painter and people like it and ask me if they have a job for me. Okay. I'm the person to ask. How long have you been painting and drawing? Since I was 11 years old. Do you do graphic novels and things like that? I used to when I was little, Mm -hmm. but I didn't keep that up. Well, what sorts of things do you enjoy painting for yourself? I like doing 
animals. Okay. Painting animals and cartoon drawings. I like to do that a lot. Okay. And you grew up in this area? Yes, I did. You went to school in Rokenville? Yes, and I still do. Oh, you still do? Mm-hmm. You're still in school? Yeah, going into grade 12. Okay. And any thoughts about what you'd like to do when you're done grade 12? I was actually thinking about becoming a nurse, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Okay, but no no designs to be a professional artist? No, not really. We'll see. I don't know. Did you grow up on a farm? Yes, I did. So how big is your family? We have five siblings, including me, and I'm the oldest out of them all. Okay, and it's a working farm? Yeah. We have oh. cattle, and we do grain. Okay. So you've got all those chores to do, like what? Does that mean when you were a kid growing up, you have to get up at like 5 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> that would be uh, what we'd have to do, but I wouldn't usually do it. <laughs> right. So how do you balance farm life with schoolwork? There's a lot of work to be done. You go to school, then you come home, and you do the farm work, and then you got homework to do. It's, right. It's, yeah. So growing up on a farm in Rokenville, you're not just hanging out at the corner store bored out of no. your mind. No. That's just not even an no. option. No. All right. Are you working at the museum? Yes, I'm a summer student. Oh, so you're part of that summer student program. Yes. I meet a lot of you. <laughs> so um, tell me about that church that's over there that I fell in love with that I that would church. like to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah, that, the, the roof is leaking. It's pretty old. Okay, I'll fix know. it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's pretty old. Is yeah. it one of the original churches? I'm pretty Bill? sure, yeah. But it wasn't originally here. It was moved no. here, right? Yeah. How many visitors are coming through the museum? We get a lot of people from Vancouver and yeah. out of the town because people, they come to the markets around here, but people usually, we get families Right. From the big cities, come to when they're stopping by Rokeville, they drive by the highway and they see the museum right. and they stop by. Well, good to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Well, thank you, everybody. Good to meet you. Thank, thank you. you. It was good to meet you too. Now I'm with the person responsible for having me come here to Rokenville, and that would be the lovely Jamie. Jamie, um, Tell me about your journey from your original home in New Brunswick to Saskatchewan. Um, My dad worked at a potash mine in New Brunswick outside of Cassidy Lake. And the potash mine unfortunately flooded. And my dad got a job working um, back with CN, who he'd worked for when he was younger. And when he was working with CN... He ended up out here, found out about this potash mine in Saskatchewan, applied there, and got a job. So I moved out here a few months after my family settled out here. I had finished up some classes in the East Coast. I was close to graduating. And uh, moved out here and actually took a couple of classes at the school to, like, you know, socialize, meet a few people. Right. And did you come right to Rokenville? Yeah, I flew into Winnipeg. My parents picked me up at the airport, and we drove back to Rokenville. Right. Are you artistic at all? I don't necessarily call myself artistic, but I'm very creative. Okay. what On what level are you creative? Um, I like writing a lot. I like poetry. Um, I like putting things together. I love organizing events. I was part of a art uh, artist and music collective in the East Coast called TBA Collective. And we put together a festival called Mestival that was based on these parties that we had called um, Mess Fests call them because there was always a big mess to clean up afterwards and it was always a mess of arts and music so you could see a heavy metal band open for a folk band uh-huh. um, while live art was being performed and other art was being available uh, to be sold or there was like actual art being created like you'd have four or five artists jam together on a piece mm-hmm. we actually would bring in a semi-truck and set up a giant canvas on the semi-truck and oh, have wow. like up to 20 different artists come up and do a little piece on the canvas. They could do a big collaborative thing. And You should do something like that here for Culture Days. We're planning on it. Well, I don't know about Culture Days, but um, we're supposed to be building a new hall. There's a referendum here next month. And if they vote yes, we need to raise quite a substantial amount of monies 
where I'm hoping to put together something like we've done here at the market at the museum, but on a larger scale and have like an artisan area, have a market area, and then have a food vendor area, and then have our, our music. Right. And there's some great artists from this area that we'd like to bring in, like the Kelly family that was performing today, the Green family that's performing today. And also um, Jessica Moskaluk is from nearby. Right. We'd really like to have her come as well. What's your official job title here in Roganville? I am the Director of Recreation and an Economic Development Officer. So I do recreation and economic development. Okay, but culture is a huge part of your life as well. I mean, you care very much about this museum. Yes. Are you, you're on the board of the museum? Yes. And as far as the market runs, is it like a cooperative essentially, or are you um, one of the key players in organizing the market on a, on a monthly basis? Well, Sherry Davies is the lady who came up with the idea for the market here at the museum. And I then we jammed the idea about adding music and having it here at the museum and to bring people into the museum. So you have a gorgeous 13-building facility, but only a few people were coming through during the summer. So we really wanted to showcase what there was here. Um, with the craft celebration tour coming through the year before, in 2013, we saw that the museum could host a lot of people because there was about a thousand people here. They had done a live show oh, wow. on TSN. Sportsnet was recorded here, oh, wow. and the pool had won twenty-five thousand dollars towards their repairs. So we knew that they could ho host a large group of people, and people seemed to enjoy that kind of atmosphere. So we thought we'd kind of showcase that. Um, and Sherry has been very helpful. We went out the first year together in opposite directions and went to every trade show and collected all these different merchant information so that we could kind of bring them back here and put the publishing out. We started in January, started promoting like what was coming up, and because no one had heard of that before mm -hmm. in this area, so we thought it would be something different and... Yeah, so we're hoping to grow that more and more all the time. But you're having these markets as they are now on a monthly basis during the yes, summer? Yes, we have it the third Saturday of every month. Okay, and um, has that happened in previous years as well? Just having last, a market? Yeah. Last year was our first year. Okay. We had five markets. We started in May and ran until September, the third Saturday of every month. And we had anywhere between 150 and 350 people come through per market. Um, we raised money for different organizations at each market. So like the first market of this year, we had the pool. They did the barbecue. They raised $1,700 on the barbecue. They also had the door. We raised $1,000 on the door and admission donations, actually $1,079. <laughs> and then we also had a local um, business from another community came over and they volunteered some time and made a $1,000 donation to the pool as well. So the pool ended up making about $3,800 altogether on that event that day. And then we rent the tables out um, to the merchants for $20 a table. Plus, if it's their first time, they have to join the museum to be covered under our insurance. And then once they're, then it's $20 a table to come. And they, um, that money all goes back to the museum. So that covers the cost of having the museum students here and right. any kind of extra costs that might come from having the market here. Um, the Free the Children group is actually here today. And there's a girl here in our station um, who is doing a portrait. And you can make a donation to Free the Children. Right. And then have a portrait done. She's great. She was such a trooper this morning. It was starting to rain and she was still already taking pictures. Well, she's got her little plastic covering yeah. for her cannon. And yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, where uh, The turnout is quite impressive, I have to say. Um, where are people, considering the weather, where are people coming from generally um, when you think about last year and this year so far? It's been really amazing, actually. Like, we've been advertising on the internet. We've been advertising on CTV puts it on their morning show. Um, we do the Twitter and the Facebook and the, you know, social media and uh, local newspapers. And then we've also had it on the radio. And it's been amazing because we're right along the number Highway 8 as well. We get people from all over, Big River, Carrot River, uh, Kenora, Ontario. Um, it's really fun with our guest book to go through at the end of the day and see where all the different people are from. Right. Now, you know, probably 50 to 75% of the people are from Rokenville and area. But there's probably a good, you know, some are visitors passing through visiting families, but others are just 
on the road. We've got our market sign right out on, next to the highway so people know where we are. And yeah, and they see all the stuff going on and all the cars parked. So they want to stop in and see what it's all about. So mm. it's really nice. And the Spectator has done some, World Spectator is the newspaper in Mooseman. And they do uh, our posters for us and they've just been gorgeous. So they really catch the eye and get your attention out there. So it's nice. Wow. Um, when it comes to the museum, do you have a sense of um, the general demographic of the people that are actually coming to the museum? I'm thinking, are, are there people that have come here from maybe not even on this continent who are doing tracing family roots and things like that? You know, we're, Roganville is not a major hub in Canada. It's a, it's a, it's a relatively quiet town and you wonder sometimes how people find out about a place like Roganville. Well, it's interesting because Roganville has the potash mine. We do have quite a few international people. You know, we had a guy here working on a project. Uh, overseeing the project from Texas. He brought his whole family from Texas to come and tour the museum. And it's interesting, a lot of the farming equipment and things like that were very similar, right? So the landscape is is not exactly the same, but has some similarities. So it's interesting in that aspect. And then you have people from Scotland who are visiting, you know, their grandma who's a war bride who lives in Canada now or whatever it right. may be. Um, so it's interesting to kind of get that perspective as well. But to give you a glimpse, like last week, we had a lady, her name was uh, Friedman, but she's originally, her family were Barishes and the Barishes, there's a lake outside of town called Barish Lake and it was a Jewish settlement and they actually had a store and there was a catalog here from the store and there was a scrapbook of all the different sales from the store. So she came and got to see like something that her family had created. Uh -huh. She was so excited. The next day we had a, um, another family come through from Vancouver. Their grandmother had been from Rokenville and they wanted to stop through and see where grandma was from and wow. whatever on their trip. So you have that. And then we have on yesterday, actually, we had the kinability stop by. So people with um, physical and mental mm -hmm. um, challenges were here with their um, visit as a visitor and did sock washing. They uh, baked some biscuits. They went for a hayride. Nice. Had the most amazing time. We went on a little tour and investigated all the buildings and saw all the different things. It was so much fun. And then at the end of the school year, we had the grade 1s and the grade 2s come through. Next month, we have the local daycare. They like to come through and have a visit and explore. So it's good. It's planting that seeds of knowledge of where you are and who you're from. Like, and the culture that's here, like we don't have a cultural center. Our town hall is non-existent at the moment. So the museum has kind of become that meeting place. Mm -hmm. We had like an old-fashioned Christmas thing here in the winter nice. where we have, you know, the vendors. But we also had uh, music in the Mason Lodge the heaters of course pumping but it was awesome you know to have that that little connection with community during during the cold time is nice All right you love this community don't you uh yes of course it, it's beautiful right along the capel valley um you know you can go in any direction and you're in another beautiful spot um there's lots of great potential here there's so many opportunities. It's just really amazing. And the people in the community are truly friendly and caring. And yeah, it's really nice. Well, I sure appreciate being invited to come and see you all. It's been spectacular meeting these vendors and sampling their wares and buying shortbread. Um, it's, it's such a delightful crowd here. Um, and congratulations on having a turnout on like this on such a wet day you're very very lucky that way so i appreciate being invited yeah no it's been wonderful and we were very fortunate actually on wednesday i forgot to mention carol daniels was here yes and she had done a beautiful presentation in our mason lodge and then we came in we call our large open room our pancake room because we have our pancake breakfast in there and we got to do a craft and make ladybugs and she told stories and sang songs and just lit up the museum it was wonderful nice yeah nice well, so good. we're grateful to SAS Culture for these opportunities. Well, we're grateful to participate in them. And now the whole world gets to hear about Rokenville and the Rokenville market via the podcast. It's wonderful. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created and hosted by Kevin Power for SAS Culture. 
Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sport, Culture, and Recreation. For more information, visit iHeartCulture.ca and SaskCulture.ca. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There's no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...